Welcome to Caring for Caregivers, your life support podcast, where we explore what it really means to focus on your own mental health and well-being, along with the well-being of your workplace in the face of COVID-19 and other life challenges. I'm your host, Phil Rayner, and I've been working in the behavioral health care field as a social worker, serving in clinical, supervisory, and management roles for almost 40 years. I'm happy to introduce listeners to my friend and colleague, Chantala Pearl, who's a senior program manager at Advocates for Human Potential and has extensive coaching experience in the development, implementation, and monitoring of health initiatives aimed at improving the care of our country's most vulnerable populations. She's held many leadership positions in both public and private sectors, utilizing her clinical and operational experience to affect change. She has hands-on experience coaching teams through the development, implementation, and monitoring of quality improvement initiatives. Chantal is widely experienced in accreditation and recognition programs from the Joint Commission, the National Committee for Quality Assurance, the Commission on Accreditation of Rehabilitation Facilities, and the Accreditation Association for Ambulatory Healthcare. She has more than 25 years of experience in project management and oversight, having managed state and federal contracts from grant proposal initiation through award, implementation, reporting, and closeout. Chantal's a certified professional in healthcare quality and certified in healthcare risk management through the University of Florida. She's also certified in advanced facilitation of the seven tools of quality control through GOAL QPC, has been an instructor for nonviolent intervention, and is a certified content expert through NCQA. Chantal is from a family who has experienced and understanding of the impact mental health and substance use issues can have. She holds an MA in counseling psychology from Lesley University. In today's podcast, we'll be flipping the script. Chantal will be interviewing me about the important lessons we have taken from our first two podcast seasons regarding action individuals and organizations in the behavioral health field can take to support personal and team well-being. Chantal, thank you so much for joining us today and thank you so much for doing this. My pleasure, Phil, I'm excited. I was reviewing, you know, the last two seasons and realized that you've done over 40 interviews in wow. the last, you know, two seasons. There was a there was a bit of a switch in the types of interviewees that uh, were chosen for both seasons. So I want to dig in a little bit to both and kind of kind of get a feel for your takeaways over the last the last what nine nine ten months that you've been doing this. Yeah, it's been it's been very rich. I, I've learned so much and have really enjoyed having a chance to talk to such a range of different people about their experiences with managing stress, with dealing with COVID, with learning how to adapt through that and then learning how to support and promote well-being in their organizations as we've come through this process. It's it's really been quite a learning experience. Yeah, I can imagine. I, I've bore witness to hearing them. What I was impressed with the most is that it's my understanding this was your first foray into podcast hosting. And yeah, I wondered right. how does that feel? How did it feel to do this? You know, it it felt very comfortable, very familiar. I've I've been working as a counselor and a, a supervisor and manager for many years. And so it really felt 
very similar to all the other kinds of meetings and interviews that you might do. And, and what I find is that shortly after getting started, the technology kind of disappears and I'm just having a conversation with someone and learning interesting things about them and their perspective. And, you know, that's what I've been doing for, for many years now. Right. Hearing stories, hearing people's stories. Yeah. And getting and getting their take on things and, yeah. and how, you know, how do they see opportunities for moving forward and growing and developing? And so it, it really it has really felt very familiar, you know, just around a, a very important theme that we're all dealing with these days. Yeah, I can imagine. So from the you know, I was thinking about some of the stories that you've witnessed and I wondered, you know, probably similar to your time as a clinician, I wondered how it changed you and helped you grow, not only as a host of a podcast and how you applied those, those moments of growth to future interviews, but also, you know, how it uh, contributed to your growth as a person, as an individual. I would say it really raised my awareness of how courageous people are and how creative people are in the capacity to face such a, we're really talking about a worldwide traumatic event going on. And, and people have found the resourcefulness within themselves and in their uh, circle of support to, yeah. to rise to this challenge and to adapt in so many ways. You know, the, the demands of the pandemic shifted over time as it came on to begin with and as we needed to isolate and then you know, wearing masks and social distancing and all of that and changing our daily routine so much in the beginning. And then, you know, as, as some of the differences of opinion around how to practice safe, you know, safety came up, you know, and whether to get vaccinated or not get, all these different issues and varying guidance from the CDC People found ways to adapt, to rise to the challenges, to find solutions. And I, I was just tremendously impressed with the resilience and resourcefulness of people and the great ideas that they had to share. Yeah, for sure. I agree with you. And just to remind our listeners, you know, our first season was focused on, you know, what are you doing for yourself as far as self-care as you navigate through this as you said, worldwide, you know, pandemic. And second season shifted to now that you have to start reintegrating and, you know, getting off your couch or getting from behind the screen and go back into the workplaces. What does that look like for you? And what are employers doing for their employees to bring them a sense of well-being? So that that shift in focus from season one to season two really brought a, a different conversation to the table and Absolutely. your, you know, the, the lessons that you learned in season one were so easily applied in, in season two, it seemed, by some of the interviews that you did. What I noticed in season two was that those, those leaders who were aware and mindful of the challenges that their employees were facing and, and felt a sense of responsibility to support their teams and their organizations in getting through these challenges in a in a robust and you know vibrant way we're doing a number of common themes uh, or, or or expressing common themes around 
really listening, acting on some of the ideas that and needs that people are expressing, creating more opportunities for communication between all staff and and really trying to act on constructive ideas that were being offered. I heard a lot about the need to recognize that people were not not going to be able to function as they had prior to the pandemic and that there was a need to accommodate and adapt. And mm-hmm. could we couldn't they couldn't just pretend that everything was as it had been and all the performance standards and expectations were the same and we're going to just hit the same targets we were always hard, always hitting. Those that recognized that there was a need to listen and adapt and change did better and yeah. and were more resilient and had better retention. You know, those yeah. that didn't, you know, described an exodus of employees and confusion about why that was happening. Yep, I agree. I agree. I think as individuals changed in order to become more resilient, I think organizations kind of had to mirror that. Mm-hmm. And they had to show up differently for their employees in order to to retain and and add the fact that we were in the midst of, you know, the great resignation that was occurring and people were trying to get back, uh, employers were trying to get back to the way things were with less staff, with people saying, I don't want to do this anymore, right? Mm -hmm. And so, or if I do it, I want to do it differently. And what can you do for me? And I think, you know, I mean, there's been some really, there's been some silver linings to this pandemic. And I think this, this in a way, when looking through the right lens is one of them. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's so true. This has been one of them. I think some of the integration of new approaches like telehealth being so central to how care is delivered, the recognition of the viability of remote work, and in mm-hmm. some ways the improved performance when people are able to have remote work and flexible schedules has been very eye-opening. These were ideas a couple of years ago that were looked at as naive. If people were allowed to work from home, they were going to slack off. They were going to be underperforming. They'd be out on the golf course or you know whatever. And that's not what, what employers have seen. In fact, productivity has gone up and people have been able to provide services in ways that were not even considered prior to this. And and we've seen that they're effective and it's pretty clear that many of them are going to continue Mm because it just increases accessibility. Yeah. The other, the other thing, you know, looking at the silver linings is the, the push towards, you know, the impact that the pandemic has had on the mental health of the people of this world. Right. And so it's really shown a light on the importance of, your well-being, your mental well-being, mm-hmm. your spiritual well-being, and and the way services are being delivered and even integrated in that way where it has become a focus, even in the primary care setting, to check in on that. It's not Absolutely. an aside. It's not, quote, a specialty service anymore. It's, it's an important integral services now, a service now. And so I think that's been a, a change in the right direction as well. I really agree. From my perspective, there has been a lot of pressure in uh, behavioral health and health and human services fields 
to produce at a very high level. And the demand has been very high. And issues like burnout, compassion fatigue, uh, vicarious trauma were already well recognized as concerns prior to the pandemic. Uh, the pandemic just pushed it right over the top. Mm-hmm. And not only in health and human services, but in, in the workforce across the board. And so I think it it has created an opportunity for employers and industries to step back and take a look at uh, what's realistic, what kind of uh, workload and and productivity expectations are realistic for people, Mm -hmm. and what kinds of supports are needed in the workplace to make it not only tolerable, but to actually make it a positive place to be, you know, a place where people can be well and can thrive and grow while they're performing and doing very good work. That, you know, there there's a responsibility within organizations to create healthy environments. I, I, I think that's a tremendous issue that's been brought to light and an opportunity that's out there right now for change. And some are changing, some are not changing as much. And I, I think we'll see the outcomes of this. You know, I'm, I've been in the field for a long time. And I remember when there was another really seismic shift in the healthcare universe when managed care came on the scene back mm-hmm. in the 90s. And I remember seeing some organizations recognize what this meant and adapt and develop procedures and processes and systems that allow them to to thrive in a new environment. And I saw many that were not able to adapt and ended up closing their doors. You know, just many, many businesses that ended up closing. And I think we're in a similar place right now that some organizations are going to recognize that we're in a different time. I think we're in in some regards in a, in a different era and some will adapt. Mm-hmm. And um, some are some are not adapting, and I, and I think their prognosis is poor if they're not adapting. Yeah, um, for sure. So let's talk a little bit. Let's dig into some of the episodes. Okay. You like talking about some of the episodes. Sure. So I've had the benefit of of actually hearing all the episodes, so I'm familiar with the, the people that you've interviewed, and I. I wondered, you know, there's all there's also the bloopers that happen behind the scenes, right? And that get cut out of, mm-hmm. you know, the drop that's going to drop on Fridays. So I wondered what some of your what what are your funniest moments was as a host? <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. I, one of the funniest ones, and I don't remember if this, this got cut out or not, but I had an, an interview with a woman named Danny Klein Monaset from Laughter on Call. Mm-hmm. She had this great story about she started the she started this program actually in response to her mother who was in a who who had gone into a senior living facility and become depressed and so Danny hired a comedian to meet with her with her mother to try to cheer her up and lift her spirits and. The mother um, initially responded to the comedian by cursing her out and calling her all kinds of names in Yiddish. <laughs> I remember that interview. Mm-hmm. And um, that spewing. <laughs> ended up on air? I'm sorry? Did it end up on air? I don't th- No, it didn't end up on air, but um, all of the, the names that, that the comedian was calling the mother ended up 
or that the mother was fond of communion ended up being the bridge that linked them together. You know, that they, they started joking back and forth about all these names. And that ended up being what started lifting Danny's mother's spirits. And it reminded me so much of my own grandparents who could also throw some pretty vulgar language in Yiddish <laughs> back and forth. I just got such a kick out of it because it, I'm from New York. Danny was from New York. The mother's from New York. And it was such a classic New York story from, from that era of these really tough, tough Jewish people who would give it to each other pretty aggressively in Yiddish and end up being great friends. You know, <laughs> and so I was just, I just got such a kick out of it. It was like old homely. Yeah, I love it. The connection <laughs> that you made. Yeah. What about one of your toughest moments as a host? You know, what can you recall a moment where you're like, Ooh, this is tough? Yeah. You know, there are actually a number of them. And particularly in season one, when people were talking about their own personal challenges. Because people were, were very generous and, again, I think courageous in sharing really, really seriously challenging times that they had been through. Mm -hmm. And I really wanted to create a space that was safe for them to share what the challenge was and how they dealt with it. And then as COVID came on, how they adapted. And at the same time, not have people share too much information in this context, you know, not, not open it too wide open, you know, almost in a clinical sense, you know, so it was, how do I open it enough so that it's meaningful, but not so far that the person is too exposed. And so that, that could be very challenging. Some of the topics that came up, you know, people talked about things like, you know, having a cancer experience or, you know, dealing with recovery and a, um, a miscarriage, um, you know, so I mean, just some very difficult, challenging experiences. And, um, you know, doing that respectfully in a way that helped inform the topic, but not um, overexpose someone's personal business yeah. you know, and trauma was, yeah. uh, was challenging at times. It must have been hard to do that in a virtual space. You know, it's interesting. It, it was, uh, you know, as I was saying before, the, the the sense of virtual of a virtual space and the the technology kind of fades away when you're when you're having a very focused and meaningful conversation. Mm -hmm. I find that I start to I, I start to filter out the technology. I'm just talking to the person that I'm talking with, you know, yeah. listening. So it's, you know, it's there. I mean, you're aware that it's there, but it becomes much less significant, the, the fact that it's virtual. Yeah, you know. that's interesting. What about um, any aha moments in your interviews? Yeah, you know, it struck me when meeting with, I have to think of, it, it was um, Dr. Amanda McBride from the University of Denver. Mm -hmm. um, I remember her. Yeah, she was, you know, she was talking about the ways in which the university, you know, as, as, a, as a president of the university, the ways in which the operations of the whole university were shifted in response to this. And I had this recognition that this is really not a temporary change, that we're going to adapt to this for a while, and then it's going to pass, and then we're going to go back to business as usual. I really had this 
moment of getting it that while in some ways our society will be similar to what it was in 2019, it's also going to be very different in certain ways. And that is going to carry on, that yeah. we will be in a new era. That that hit during that that interview. And it reminded me of, you know, just historically, after the after the Black Plague in Europe, there were similar structures and there were similar values and functioning in society after the plague. After the Spanish flu in 1918, there was a lot of similarities. Mm -hmm. And in fundamental ways, society was different. It, yeah. You know, it really changed and it didn't go back to what it had been. You know, after 1918, we didn't go back to the Gilded Age of the late 1800s, you know, and medieval Europe didn't go back. It moved, it moved forward, you know, and mm -hmm. so, I, I, you know, it, in some ways it's very optimistic in my mind because each of those, each of those catastrophes, you know, in terms of health, led to a social movement forward yeah. in, in human history. And I think that this is another one of those that is ultimately going to lead to movement forward in human history. But right now, you know, we're still in it and people are still struggling. Yeah, it's not over. It's yeah. different, but it's not over. Right. And I think I it'll continue to be different. And I think, honestly, I think it'll continue to be better than, yeah. than what it was. So, yeah. I can't help but make a comment about your 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 mentioning 1918, mm. and I know that you know through our time together working on this podcast, we always said if you're going to bring up the New York Yankees or the Boston Red Sox, we're probably going to cut it out. But I can't help but be reminded, like you triggered me in a weird way, about mm. 1918 being the last year that the Red Sox won the World Series before the drought. Right? right. So that was a similar, right? Game right. changing them. Yeah. So I had to make a note of that. Hopefully it won't get edited out. <laughs> Although they did ultimately come back and win the series and, and you know. So, yes. so they, in they did turn in it around eventually. In 2004. Yeah. That is a long time. To That's wait. a long drought. Yeah. yeah. Very long drought. So let me ask you on along the same lines. Is there one lesson that you had that stands out for you professionally or personally in all the interviews that you did? You know, I, I would say that the importance of kindness and compassion toward ourselves and others uh, is just so fundamental, so essential for getting through a time as difficult as this has been. And I don't want to sound too, you know, warm and fuzzy or soft about that. I, I, where I see people rising to this challenge is in those situations where they are able to recognize on a personal level the challenge that they're up against and accept that this is difficult, be kind to themselves and recognizing that difficulty and in that kindness and compassion, finding that they are more capable of rising to the challenge than they might have expected because who's faced something like this before? Right. And similarly in organizations, when there has been 
of compassion for the workforce, compassion among leadership for one another, and the kindness toward one another, um, those organizations are finding their way through this. Um, and as you know, you mentioned the great resignation, the great reevaluation. It's mm-hmm. those same organizations that are finding a way to create cultures of well-being that people want to be a part of and willing to stay around. And those who are looking for employment are looking to join those organizations that demonstrate those values. You know, even where diversity, equity, inclusion aren't in inclusion aren't simple catchphrases, but are really evidently practiced. People are wanting to be a part of those organizations. Uh, in other places where it's not as clear, or it's you know it's part of a color glossy brochure, but there's really not much of it going on. Mm. You know, then they're they're not having as much success. Uh, but I have to say, you know, in, in that regard, I see organizations really working hard to try to figure this out. I would have to say, for the most part, among the leaders I've spoken to and others that I'm, I'm just aware of, I really think um, industry and organizations are trying to figure this out um, and recognizing that there's a need to do things differently. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. So let's have a little fun with the episodes. If you're willing, are you willing to have a little fun with the episodes? I always like to. All right. So if you, as you think back on season one, Mm -hmm. um, if you had to pick one theme song um, (laughs) that would kind of capture the 20 some odd interviews that you did for season one, what would that song be? Hmm. I'm, I'm going to date myself here. <laughs> Go for it. I'll admit up front, I'm a boomer. <laughs> the song that co- would come to mind for season one would be I Will Survive. Oh, like, Gloria Gaynor, right? Gloria, yep, Gloria Gaynor. Yep, yep. That's a good one. That's I, a good that, one. I yeah, I, I think that spirit of, you know, whatever, Whatever, whatever the pandemic wants to pull on me, I will survive. You know, yeah, I love it. I love it. That is a good song about resilience, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's I would go with that. I will survive. Yeah. All right. So, um, think back about season two. Is there mm-hmm. a song that would capture the interviews that you did in season two? I know I'm putting you on the yeah. spot. <laughs> but you know, you did that all season, so it's your turn. Okay, well, fair enough. <laughs> you know, you know, season two is about organizations, really, you know, and how how are they adapting, um, and how are leaders leading through that? So it's got to be something we, you know, we and inclusive, and so mm-hmm. <laughs> I think we are the champions. You know, Queen, I think Queen, yes. uh, we are the champions. That's what I would go with. It's like <laughs> I love it. Yes, Queen. Yeah. I'm still, you know, showing my boomer roots, but that that's where I would go. <laughs> a little Freddie Mercury like here. Yeah. I love it. That's a yeah. great, that's a great one. I wasn't sure how you would answer both those questions, but I think, you know, you you really captured it. <laughs> How's that for a spectrum from Gloria Gaynor to uh, Freddie Mercury? Right. You know. <laughs> uh, so I know you've I know you've not only participated in all the interviews, but you've gone back to listen, you know, every once in a while you'll you'll listen as they drop and see how they sounded. And so 
I'm wondering if you were, you know, if if you were dropped on a deserted island and you could and you had a Walkman, right? Mm-hmm. Let's go back to your a Walkman, day. right? <laughs> a Walkman, not not you only had one cassette tape, and on that cassette tape was one episode that mm-hmm. could get you through however many days you're out on this island, you had only one thing to listen to. Yeah. What episode would that be and why? Well, you know, if I was stranded on a desert island, and this I, this might sound funny in a way, but um, back in season one, I did an interview with actually a, a colleague, Daryl Berman. Mm. Um, and Daryl, um, through the course, during the course of COVID, was diagnosed with a, a very severe uh, kind of a cancer mm. and went through... And, and he shares it in the uh, in the podcast. Went through treatment, which involved um, you know radiation and chemo and surgery, while you know while in the midst of all the challenges of COVID. Mm-hmm. And you know he he describes oh just the the level of oh my gosh you know um, navigation courage you know courage oh, that that took the support of loved ones and colleagues around him, a, a really, a very reality-based optimism. You know, he wasn't kidding himself. He knew what he was dealing with. But with that, he was still able to develop this optimistic outlook. And he was willing to let people help him, which, you know, can be challenging for a lot of people to, especially, you know, those of us who are in health and human services, we're really great at being there for others, but to let others be there for us is often difficult. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so he just really showed um, so many different forms of resilience in getting through that. And I think if I was in a situation like that, you know, out on a desert island, um, I would probably want his his recording as a uh, like an inspiration. So whatever I was up against, it was like, well, man, Daryl went through worse. So <laughs> you know, right, yeah, I'll eat an iguana. It'll be okay, you know. <clears throat> it was such a story of resilience, and you think of, I go back to your theme song. I will survive, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm sure yeah. hearing his story when you're in the midst of crisis and understanding that there is resilience and that maybe you have that in you as well. And that's just a reminder. Right. You know, to, to keep going and keep finding solutions and yeah. be creative and, you know, yeah. keep moving forward. Accept help from others. Accept help from others. Yeah. So hopefully you'll have somebody on that Island with you that you can. I, I was just thinking, right, if I'm on a desert island, you know, hopefully there's somebody there or I'll get help from the iguanas, you know, whatever. Some, something. <laughs> something. Yeah. Connecting to humans and others, right? Right, right. Um, I like that. Um, what about, what's your favorite comfort food? Speaking of self-care and uh-huh. you know, what's your favorite comfort food? All right, well. Like when when it's been a long and trying week, or the mm-hmm. chips have been down, right? Okay, so what do you right? Yeah. For me, it would be a a cheeseburger, fries, mm. and a cold beer. Mm. Be, uh, yeah, 
That would be <laughs> that would be the comfort food. Pot? Oh, the burger would be medium. And if we're really talking comfort, this is a a diner prepared burger. Yes. <laughs> yes. Can't be going in any of these, you know, McDonald's kinds of things where something's yeah. been sitting under a heater for an hour or two. Right. So you know, going to the diner, waitress is gonna call you hun. Yeah. Um and a properly prepared uh cheeseburger fries and, and a cold bun now mind you <laughs> i i tend to be entirely plant-based in my eating um oh really i know yeah. you <laughs> yeah and sometimes in life under whatever circumstances you need a good cheeseburger mm -hmm. and so yeah so I, sometimes, yeah, that's where the comfort lies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I love it. So, so based on that, right? You got your mm -hmm. cheeseburger, your fries, your cold beer. Right. Um, what episode would you pair with it? Oh man. <laughs> um, <laughs> A little background know, music, right? Something right. that's very comforting. Yeah, you know, I absolutely. You know, so if you're in that diner. There's often one of those little uh, jukeboxes on the side of the of the. Um, oh, on the table itself. On the table, right? So yes. you know you can you can flip your Gloria Gaynor on there while you're having yes. your burger. But For no, sure. uh, in terms of a, a session, you know, it's the idea is that we have to um, cut ourselves some slack. You know, nobody's perfect, and we're under pressure right now, and we'll continue to be for a while. And I think. It was an interview we did with Maris, uh, Marisol Goris from um, a, a school district in Massachusetts. She was a superintendent. And she really talked about the need to cut herself and cut her staff some slack, you know, to recognize yeah. that, you know, people just can't be perfect. They can't bring 100% all the time. And, you know, they were going through the schools are opening, the schools are closing, we're doing in-class, we're doing homeschooling, we're doing, you know, I mean, they were all over the place. Yeah. And um, she recognized that she had to, a uh, term that she used, she had to give people grace. And I, I think I that's such a great way that. to put it. Yeah. That stands out for me. Have some grace. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, we need to do that as leaders. And I think, again, in how we relate with ourselves, we have to give ourselves some grace and, you know, cut ourselves a break once in a while. And if you need to do, Whatever you need to do in order to, to be okay in a given moment, sometimes we just have to let ourselves do that. You know, maybe trying to, I don't know, you know, watch your weight, you know, but sometimes hot fudge Sunday is just really what it's going to take to get through that day. Yeah. And, and sometimes that just really, that's legitimately what it's going to take. And so go for it, you know. Go for it. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'll think of you every time I have a cheeseburger with fries. <laughs> <laughs> so some of the last words you want to share with the listeners as we close both these seasons, is there anything you want to put out there into the world, Phil? Well, you know, it's, it's an interesting time because as we're closing out right now, COVID rates are up again. We're dealing with a you know pretty aggressive flu virus that's going on. There's RSV and you know, we're hearing that hospital beds are filling up, mm -hmm. um, ICUs are full, children are being affected by this. And so 
you know, I'm, I'm just aware that we're not done. This, mm-hmm. you know, this isn't over. And I think it's just so important for people to take what we've learned over these last couple of years. We've learned a lot. We know that, you know, if, if we're going to be in a situation that in which we might be uh, vulnerable to becoming infected uh, by a virus, that we should distance, we should mask, we should wash our hands. There are all kinds of vaccines available now. And I just can't, I just can't see any reason not to get vaccinated if, if you are able to do that. And so whether it's a flu vaccine or the uh, COVID vaccines, you know, to, to do what we can to support ourselves and strengthen ourselves, take care of ourselves and one another in every way that we can, you know, think, think in terms of a community. How do we take care of ourselves as individuals in that community? How do we take care of the community? So I just want to encourage people to, to be smart and mm-hmm. to be responsible and to recognize that we need to take care of ourselves and each other. And I think it's important for us as individuals and leaders and organizations to recognize that we're still, we're still in the early, early recovery phase of what has been a worldwide traumatic event and to have realistic expectations about what we as individuals can do and what we as organizations can do and what we can ask of the people who work in our organizations. We're in recovery from trauma and uh, it's going to take a while. Yeah, that's a, it's a very, that's a very well, well well-spoken way to put it, right? It's, It's it's basically that's what our whole world has gone through is a trauma, a big trauma, not a little trauma, a big trauma. Right. Yeah, you know I think the the advantage that we have in this trauma is that it's it's in public. There's there's no there isn't a shame that often accompanies other kinds of trauma. You know, mm-hmm. and, and so the added damage that's done when people feel that they need to hide that trauma because of the shame isn't a factor in this one. And so I think in a lot of ways, the recovery is going to be, is going to be easier. You know, yeah. if, you, if you look at Bessel van der Kolk's work on um, the body keeps the score, you know, he talks so eloquently about how the shame around what we've experienced often is what compounds the trauma and throws it into a PTSD kind of a of a response. I don't think we're going to see that level of response or or not for most people. Um, mm-hmm. Some people may. So so the fact that we we've been through this together, it's been in the open, we can talk about it, we can support one another and and share our experience in recovery, I think is going to help the healing go much more readily. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but but we're still, you know, just we're still in recovery. Let's be kind to ourselves and each other. Have some grace. Have some grace. Absolutely. So I'm going to end it the way you always have ended it and ask you if anybody, any of our listeners are interested in learning more or have, you know, some of the resources that you mentioned today, what would you recommend? Where would they go? You know, in terms of organizational leadership, as we're going through this, I I think Brene Brown's work on daring to lead mm-hmm. is 
really valuable. Um, the, the protocols that she lays out in terms of communicating in teams and having the courage to rise, you know, from mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. we've been through, I think is so valuable. And she has some wonderful tools, uh, both, you know, in, in her book and on her website. So I, I think that material is great. I also really like the work of Stephen Covey, who has written a book called uh, Trust and Inspire that mm. des- describes a style of leadership that I, I think is so valuable right now to move away from the kind of command and control concepts of leadership and really to be more oriented to creating psychological safety in mm. teams, showing trust in the people who you work with and, and the whole stewardship uh, concept of leadership, I think is really valuable right now and very geared toward what people are needing. Another resource I think is so valuable right now is uh, Kristen Neff's work on self-compassion. Yeah. Um, she also has written some a wonderful book couple of wonderful books and um, also has a great website on Mm -hmm. self-compassion. So those would be a few resources that I would look at. I would also encourage people to listen to the podcasts. They're all still out there. And I think um, all of the uh, interviews had something to, you know, something of value to, to bring to the table on it. So I would encourage people to check those out again, if they're interested. Yeah. And at the end of all those podcasts, they've also shared resources as well, because you asked. Absolutely. So I agree. I think, uh, you know, we're all in this together to some degree. That's right. (laughs) And so, Phil, I just want to thank you for the last 40 plus episodes that you hosted for this podcast. And it was a pleasure interviewing you and flipping the script today. Thank you so much, Chantal. This was a lot of fun, and I I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for doing this. You're welcome. Help is here. If you or someone you know is struggling with mental health or substance use concerns, contact 1-833-2-FIND-HELP. This podcast is produced by Advocates for Human Potential and supported wholly or in part through an emergency COVID-19 grant to the Illinois Department of Human Services Division of Substance Use Prevention and Recovery from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. The sentiments expressed in this podcast are not endorsed by any of these involved entities.